Ed, how you doing? Are you still riding high on the crest of the FA Cup semi-final buzz? Yeah, something like that, but uh, you've totally ruined it by completely failing to understand how aggregate scores work. Yeah, I know, but I just mean, I guess I should have said combined score. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, briefly, let's talk about Bournemouth away, a, a game that clearly did not feature high in... Listen, it was high enough in the priority. If you you, want to know where Mourinho put this as a priority fixture, Matteo Darmian played. I forgot all about Matteo Darmian. Well, he came on the end of the the game against Spurs as well to secure United's victory. (laughs) He did. Um, It was a very functional performance away at Bournemouth. Not troubled at all by Eddie Howe's swashbuckling cherries. Um, Just pretty dominant, calm assured performance excellent from Paul Pogba I thought it was very kind of significant role in that game um I can't I'm telling you I'm struggling to remember the goals oh yeah Chris Smalling scored that might be one of the reasons see Chris Chris Smalling scores almost every week isn't he our like top scorer (laughs) this year or something he said he was making a late push for top scorer which I thought was funny um, and then Lukaku came on as a sub and scored a really nice goal. That was the one with the Pogba through ball. I remember that goal. A touch from Martial to Pogba, Pogba through ball to Lukaku, and a lovely lifted finish from Lukaku. Who I thought I thought Pogba's ball was slightly overhit, but it was absolutely perfect waiting. Yeah, how many has he got for the something like twenty six or twenty seven for the season now, Lukaku? It's uh, it's become a very fruitful season for him. He's gonna like another 10 for his country as well. So it hasn't quite got as many as most Salah and Harry Kane, but um, I think you could say this is a very successful first season, although another way of thinking about it would be to say, kind of expect it for that kind of money, I suppose. But uh, um, yeah, another fine goal. Uh, he's got plenty in the last... You know, apart from that sort of middle portion of the season, he's he's been scoring freely... Uh, most of the campaign um, and you're right uh, decent performance from United one curious thing I thought you know, Mourinho made a lot of, uh, after the West Brom game and said uh, many of these players won't play and made uh, five six changes for the um, game against uh, Bournemouth and then basically went back to the same team that lost against West Brom um, for the game against Spurs clearly it worked <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it was an interesting message, wasn't it? None of you lot will play except your will. Apart from like two of you. Apart from Lindelof, L- Lindelof and, and Mata. Yeah. Uh, the front three of Lingard, Martial, and Rashford. Uh, uh, a lovely front three to see, and a front three that we can daydream about when Martial's off in the summer. Um, Lukaku's got sixteen in thirty-two starts and one substitute appearance in the league. Fascinating that he's had 32 starts in the league. Um, but he's also got seven assists, which is a, a healthy a healthy chunk. That that makes that makes 23 direct goal contributions in 32 starts and one half an hour substitute appearance. Another five goals in the Champions League um, and five in the FA Cup. And then it's, it's not bad, is it? So it's, it's, it's a really good, really good return. And, and Pogba starting to get up there in the assist numbers as well, I think into double figures um for assists in the league something that we haven't necessarily been able to take for granted in recent years that we would have a player who gets the double fist double figures for assists right right but i thought he was rubbish i'm confused about this <laughs> five goals and 10 assists in the league in 22 starts so basically 
there's only been seven games that he started. Well, I know it hasn't quite worked like that, like that numbers-wise, but, yeah. but yeah. still. Yeah. No, and I think a player whose talents could definitely do with scoring more goals than that. I mean, you know, he's good enough to be getting over uh, into double figures in terms of goals. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think Nani had one season where he got 15 goals and 17 assists or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he was playing as an attacker that season, effectively, wasn't he? Which Pogba has, has not done for much of this season, playing as part of a midfield too. Um, but yeah, like, just inter- it's interesting to compare the data with the narrative, isn't it? They don't, they don't always tally up. Um, but yeah, the, anything else of note about that Bournemouth game? Fine goal from Lukaku, Chris Smalling, football genius. <laughs> yeah, as um, always, uh, Phil Jones come back, uh, did very well. Herrera was yep. pretty good as well. He, he has been over the last few weeks. Yeah, that's nice to see. We'll talk yeah, about him more yeah. when we talk about the semi-final, of course. But he made five tackles uh, against Bournemouth. Yeah, um, it's, it's almost and... inevitable that Phil Jones will be absolutely brilliant and then trip over his own toe or something like that the day before the FA Cup final and injure himself. Luke Shaw was allowed to play football against Bournemouth. Got to have a little. He got to have a little. Yeah, and, go and, and do you know what? He kind of completely spoiled the narrative um, by uh, not uh, helping Manchester United to lose because obviously <laughs> everything bad that has happened this season is all his fault. Uh, four tackles attempted, four made successfully by Luke Shaw. Good, some good tackling. Uh, a, a player that I'd completely forgotten about came on as a late substitute. One daily blinds returning to Manchester United action after a long injury layoff. Yeah, important to get him in the shop window, I guess. <laughs> uh, tackles attempted, three was dribbled, three. Oh, obviously, the data doesn't fit my narrative in that. Uh, no, I mean, you'd think that he's going to be off. He's He's got to be, apart from maybe Matteo Darmian, you'd think that Daily Blint has to be... Oh, no, I guess, does it go... Is it Shaw, Blint and Darmian? Are they are they the top three in most likely to be off in the summer? Yeah. I mean, they're all off, aren't they? Surely. They're, we'd have to... We'll have to buy a lot of full this And then, and then you happens. know, unfortunately, we're a bit creative, so I'm sure Mourinho doesn't like that. So, uh, uh, Martial, Pogba and Mata uh, after that. Um, all right, so uh, Bournemouth was fine, dominant performance, well done, jolly good show. Uh, kind of important after the West Brom game um, to to bounce back in, in that way and certainly important for United's league position and to not create any kind of late season wobble which could see us having to contest, seriously contest um, with with Spurs and Liverpool for, for third place in particular. And as we said, as we said last week, you said... Mourinho's made quite a thing of finishing second, so that that's important. But clearly, the star of the show of this week's football, what I thought was, in the end, a really, really impressive semi-final performance for Manchester United as they get themselves through to a second FA Cup final in three years. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a it was a very complete performance from United. I mean, it's um, it's not complete in the way that I don't know. Manchester City beating Swansea five 0 was complete. Um, it was it was tactically complete. Uh, we you know Mourinho did the thing that Mourinho is best at, and he he picked a picked a team and a system and an approach uh, that negated the uh, opposition's strengths very very effectively. I thought um, you know Spurs passed the ball nicely for twenty minutes, didn't they? Something like that, uh, and then United um, muddied up the game. 
uh, I thought, in midfield very effectively. Uh, it wasn't super pretty all of the time. Um, scored a, an outstanding equaliser. Um, and then uh, Mourinho balled it up front to, to get the winner and then it completely in control at the end. I mean, it never really felt that, that Spurs were going to get back into this game. So um, let's let's start at the start then. Um, after United had a okay, very early spell in the game, but then Tottenham really took over, and crucially, or what seemed crucially at the time, they made that dominance count with a, a very fine goal from them. United's left side hugely exposed, young caught upfield, Pogba not tracking back quickly enough uh, against Ericsson, and maybe not quite switched on to just how dangerous Ericsson's positioning was. A, a fine ball, I think, from Sanchez out to Ericsson and then an absolutely gorgeous ball from Ericsson to Deli Alley, who stretched well to finish. And, and at that point, I don't know about you, but I was thinking, oh no, here we go again. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, uh, they beat us quite comfortably, didn't they, in the league? Um, and it was a beautiful opening goal. And at that point, they were they were on top them. Passing the balls nicely, you know, great movement up front from that sort of front four, Ericsson, Ali, Son and and Kane. Uh, and, yeah, it looked like we were in big trouble. Uh, I, I don't know whether I'd blame Pogba for not tracking back. I, in a 4-3-3, I don't know if it's exactly his role. Is it his role to cover the left back? Uh, like it's well, he Herrera's... was the man who... He was the man in the zone, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, does that give Sanchez a free role? I'm not sure about that. But and anyway, it's I mean it's one of those things that United you know, have to uh, have to be mindful well, of if if that's the system they're going to play. I mean you know you you often in a four three three will have a spare man. The opposition will have a spare man. Um, I mean particularly um, the crossfield switch causes a problem. In, and, and in this case, it wasn't that. It was a really nice ball down the channel from. Uh, Sanchez to Ericsson, but um, you can have a problem in wide areas in 4-3-3. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I don't think our Sanchez has any blame to carry in that because he was up the pitch pressing pressing the action in a way. So, like, Sanchez and Young just caught up pitch and a big hole left behind. And I'm not saying it was, like, terrible defending from Pogba or anything, but he was the man in the frame. Um so Spurs kind of had another, they had the ball into Kane at the back post. I think maybe Son's ball into Kane, um, which Kane just couldn't quite stretch to get onto the end of, fortunately. And then the Dyer shot, which twanged off the post. But De Gea did not have to make a meaningful save, I don't remember, for the rest of the game. And even when we were 2-1 up right at the end of the game and starting to feel really nervy about Tottenham snatching one at taking it to extra time, I was kind of thinking, well, we haven't seen one single wonder save from De Gea, so the balance of probability would suggest that if they do get a chance, he will save it, because you normally can expect at least one of those a game. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I thought United were very effective at spoiling Spurs' um, uh, approach in midfield, you know? Um, it was effectively three versus two in in central midfield. I mean, obviously Ali's there to to make up a a three for Spurs or you know the the other sort of wider players as well. But uh, they weren't able to get hold of the ball and and cause United the kind of problems that we saw them cause in the league game. No, and United were able to cause Spurs big problems when uh, Pogba just brushed aside Dembele like he wasn't there. 
Oh, and, and, and then Bele just shrank from the game after that, you know? Yeah. He got bullied by Pogba and then he didn't want to play anymore. He's off to China. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a uh, severe reaction to getting a schooling from you know, <laughs> Paul Pogba, but yeah, all right. The thing about that goal, like for me, that's one of United's goals of the season, just because it features Pogba beating off Dembele, who is like a player. Steady on. I mean, oh no, come on. Oh, all right. I'm staying that again. Oh, no. For me, that's for me. That's one of the goals of the season for United because it features Pogba easily winning an individual duel against Moussa Dembele, a player who's been compared unfavourably to, and then immediately you see what is so special about him because the the quickness of vision and execution of the ball that he put in for Sanchez, like that ball had to be absolutely perfect. He picked out the five foot seven man at the back post in space. A very good run from Alexis and a marvellous header from Alexis for sure. Like took all the, the kind of power off the ball and directed it really neatly into an area that keeper had absolutely no chance. So, so wonderful technique from Alexis, but just Pogba, the absolute architect of that goal. Yeah. Uh, and exactly the kind of thing we want from him uh, when he's playing in his preferred midfield role, I guess. Uh, so I, I, did Mourinho take credit for Pogba's performance after the game? I can't remember now. He might have done. Uh, I, I actually, the BBC cut away from their coverage really quickly, so I haven't seen any post-match stuff whatsoever. I've got no idea what Mourinho said in the aftermath of that game. Maybe that's why I feel so good right now, because <laughs> I haven't listened to Jose Mourinho talking for a week. Yeah, he said the players need to educate themselves. Um, I kind of thought that was the coach's job, but yeah, apparently not. Uh, Wait, he said that after the cup final? After the cup yeah, final? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was talking about consistency of performance. Uh, right, it may okay. be one of those language things, or it may be just uh, Mourinho being a bit of a shithouse. Talking to shithousery, uh, another fine <laughs> performance from Ander Herrera, who yeah, I was, five tackles, I was getting... uh, including one where um, uh, he was on the ground and managed to grab the Spurs player by the boot to stop him taking the ball away. Um, <laughs> that was the one that Valencia got booked for, right? Right. A second later. Slightly fortunate to get a booking for that, I thought. It looked pretty vicious, that tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Herrera, Herrera made three interceptions as well, but I was starting to get really frustrated with him on the ball. Like, he gave the ball away quite a lot. Um, in fact, that's a feature of United's performance, partly because we're playing so direct, but I think only Jones and Smalling... Uh, exceeded 90% pass completion in that game. Like we were pretty pretty profligate when the when the ball was at uh, yeah, our feet. Yeah, look, th- this was a game in which United did the Mourinho thing of spoiling the opposition's um, patterns of play, you know, and then profited uh, from, a, you know, a pretty simple... I mean, it was, look, the first goal's outstanding. It's, it's based on, you know, the brilliance of the pass and the brilliance of the header. And the second goal's route one. Into the channel, <laughs> flick on from the big man, well, little man, little man on the third man run strikes it home. Mm, you know? I mean, k- kind of. It goes out wide to Alexis first, doesn't it? And then Alexis kind of dinks the ball into Lukaku, whose miscontrol looks like it's going to Lingard, but Lingard with that kind of very quick awareness to step out of the way and let Herrera take a shot straight at the keeper, yeah, which who dived um, out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, look, games are often won and lost in the details, but uh, Mourinho is the manager above all that is looking to win games 
in the details and not in the sort of pattern of play. Like in 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 the sense, Guardiola is absolutely a, the antithesis because he's he's a manager who doesn't really care about the details. You'd kind of feel that, um, and this is you know an exaggeration, but almost feel that Guardiola would like to win games in terms of the style of play, not in terms of the number of goals. Um, winning the expected goals important to Pep Guardiola 1.4 to 1.4 a a, a draw in the expected goals in this game so I was quite surprised that Spurs' was so high Um, it's a sort of cumulative effect of quite a lot of long shots I think but um, like I said yeah it didn't feel like their their XG was was so good in that game Um, and United of course all season have relied on exceeding expectations for expected goals and they've yep. done it consistently enough to make it be a pattern and in the last few weeks have, have managed to pull out those results against direct rivals that that weren't coming along in the first you know 18 months of Mourinho's uh, uh, reign at Old Trafford you know beating Spurs City Liverpool and Chelsea recently yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Um, that's it's huge, especially especially in the kind of super clutch moment of a semi final. Um, yeah, uh, by the way, the rank cast drinking game. If people play it, it's going to kill them because not a week goes by without the Jose Mourinho is a manager who relies on the details. Like this is <laughs> this is this is like the Wayne Rooney bashing of twenty eighteen. Hey, look, that's not bashing. It's a it's a fair observation. On, oh no no no! Sorry, his style I, I of own, management. I, I don't mean it relates in terms of content. I mean it relates in terms of frequency. That's please yeah. don't please don't misunderstand. Um, um, but but it's proven out every week. You know this yeah. is uh, yeah clearly yeah. Mourinho looks for the mistakes and the weaknesses in others, and it was really effective against Tottenham. Who at some point you would think that Pochettino's Tottenham are going to overcome their. Tottenhamness, essentially. I mean, that's an over-generalisation, but another FA Cup semi-final defeat for them. That is eight in a row um, in terms of the semi-finals they've been to in the FA Cup uh, and two in two years for uh, for Pochettino, who, whose team is clearly better than any Spurs team. I, mean, I don't know about you, Ed, but I'm pretty sure it's the best Spurs team I've seen in my life. I guess the Modric-Bale team's got a shout there, but... Yeah, it's a it's a very very good Spurs side, and but they they can't get it done. They can, they can't get it done in terms of uh, winning a trophy. And I, I don't know whether that's the thing that you have to judge Pochettino on. He's working on a budget that is significantly less than any of the other big clubs, and and they they are still overperforming. Uh, but then when you look at that one to eleven, it's a, it's a very talented. One to eleven, and you know all teams will be remembered on the basis of what they win. Do you know why uh, Vaughan played instead of Lloris? Is it just an FA Cup yeah. thing? You just give yeah. Vaughan the cup. Yeah, and, and uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, <laughs> Agent Mo. If you're if you're turning up in the summer, uh, it won't be. Um, but yeah, Vaughan managed to dive out of the way in the winning goal. Amazing. Yeah. Um, lovely all-round scenes, a brilliant. I've watched loads of like video and stuff from United fans. Uh, looked like a brilliant day out. I was quite jealous um, of not being at the game. Um, and just another trip to Wembley, another win for United. I can't remember when the last time we lost at Wembley, not against Spurs in the league, which doesn't count, was. 
Uh, it feels like it was a long time ago. It's probably 2005 or whatever, right? No, that Chelsea, Chelsea final. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. oh no, 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 it was the City. Never mind, shush. Yeah. No, yeah. forget yeah. it. That never yeah. happened. Yeah, but yeah, um, you had to yeah, bring that up, didn't you? Sorry, but you know, FA Cup semi final under Van Hal final. Community Shield, League Cup, now FA Cup semi-final. Now, the big question is, will we win the next one? Um, Chelsea versus Southampton went the way that you would certainly have expected that game to go. And uh, we've been doing well against our direct rivals. But my goodness, if there was ever a game that was won in the details rather than the pattern of play, it was the somewhat smash-and-grab home win against Chelsea the other week. Uh Um, but they, their wheels seem to have slightly come off their season. But you'd imagine that bunch of snakes will get up for a game against <laughs> Mourinho. No talking about Herrera, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, uh, it, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fascinating um, FA Cup final. I, I don't, I don't think I'd be really surprised if it's a really pretty one. I don't think United are going to play like that. Um, I'm sure Mourinho will look to spoil. Um, uh, you know, spoil Chelsea's uh, patterns of play by um, uh, trying to take some of their best players out of the game. Uh, you know, no doubt about it. Uh, it's entertainment value will be increased, of course, with, because Mourinho and Conte seem to hate each other. It's going to be Conte's last game as Chelsea manager, uh, which will, which will, you know, add to the narrative somewhat. I mean, look, um, if if you think uh, Manchester United's players are frustrating this season in their inconsistency, then uh, I'm sure Chelsea fans are equally, if not more, frustrated about the absolute frauds that they have representing their club at the moment because they just turn it on when they feel like it. Big games, um, perhaps when they're behind a little bit, you know, uh, for about 60 minutes against Southampton in the league game, 10 days ago or so, uh, they were an absolute joke. This was a, a bunch of Chelsea players staring at their shoes, wandering around like petulant children. Then they decided to play a little bit. And, of course, they turn up for the for the semi-final. So we'll see whether they turn up for the final or not. I mean, you, yes, I'm sure they will turn up for that final. Uh, uh, the most Chelsea fans that I've heard talk about it don't seem to... They seem to be saving their opprobrium for the manager rather than the players. Conte's extraordinarily peculiar approach to the season, whereby it's mostly just seemed like he was trying to get himself sacked so he didn't have to resign and he would get a big payout. Yeah. Interesting how that happens over and over again at Chelsea, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, Mourinho will want to get one over on Chelsea, but also he'll want to... I mean, one thing I think we can be pretty sure of is this is not going to be Jose Mourinho's last game as Manchester United manager, win or lose. I can't see. Oh, no, for sure. For sure. And although interesting uh, what he said today, this is Monday, which is United won't be spending big in the summer, paraphrasing here. Uh, we're just going to fix a few things and add to the squad. I mean, given that we know three players, sure, um, Darmian and Blint are definitely going. We can probably assume Fellaini's going. He still hasn't signed a contract, so unless United come up with the big bucks to pay for that useless lump, um, he might go to and Michael Carrick's retire. So really that's five replacements, even before you factor in the fact that Mourinho is so thoroughly pissed off Anthony Martial that he's desperate to go and may or may not be trying to push Pogba out the club. So I'm, just I'm, the seven changes I'm, there then. No, he's, Pog was not going anywhere. That's my prediction. Um, Martial, on the other hand, I think might, but I don't think he would be needed to be replaced in the squad. I think there's ample 
But I think that's the problem, really, isn't it? There's too many players in that position. Uh, what's the deal with Mata and Herrera's contracts? Have either of them signed new contracts? Don't no. they both run out this year? No, I mean, they triggered the one-year extension in both of them. So it got till 2019 oh, okay. on both of those. But still, um, uh, yeah, they need to sign them up soon. Otherwise, they'll be running into the last year of their contract next season. I mean, I wonder whether that'll be, yeah, I wonder whether that'll be something that that happens. You know, I wonder whether they. I wonder whether there will be new contracts for one or both of those. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's inevitable that there will. It depends on direction that the club takes. I guess. I mean, it, didn't he say something about United not spending crazy last summer as well? And then we bought Romelu Lukaku for seventy-five million and Matic for forty. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, there'll there'll be a little bit of headroom in the wage budget. Uh, yep. presuming at least those three go and maybe more and, and uh, Michael Carrick's wages come off, Fellaini's wages come off. Um, so there's plenty of room for for spending and, and United's free cash flow production is, is pretty healthy at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's good stability around at least the next four years uh, in terms of revenue production. You know, um, United, it looks like, have basically, I mean, basically have qualified for the Champions League. Um, yeah. And uh, so you know, there's there's no reason to think that United don't have a good budget, 150 million ish, plus whatever's brought in. Um, really depends on whether the the uh, the ruling powers that be are prepared to sign that off, um, and whether we have any agents who are friends anymore. Since we seem to have thoroughly <laughs> off Raiola, is Mendes still a friend, or is he only spending for Wolves these days? I think we got a, a message from someone. There's a few Raiola um, players still at United, including Sergio Romero, um, who's a Raiola uh, person. What's the word? Player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, there's Pogba, Pogba and Romero. Uh, Lukaku switched. Um, uh, and, you know, we'll see. Yeah, um, I think that it's perfectly plausible that Mourinho says we're not planning to spend a fortune when what he means is we're planning to spend 150 million because that's sort of just normal par nowadays. You know, that that doesn't count as spending a fortune anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the world we live in now. Um, And talking of the world we live in now, one of the things that exists now is the world of social media. And I wonder whether the Rankcast automated tweet has uh, produced results in the form of Twitter questions from the people. What are you talking about, automated tweet? It's my my fair hand at work crafting exactly (laughs) the same message at exactly the same time each week. It's pretty impressive. Consistency. That's why they call me the postman. They don't. (laughs) You don't have to educate yourself about consistency, do you? No, that's right. I consistently fail to do this properly. But, um, yeah, the uh, the world of uh, if if this, then that has uh, come to my rescue. Otherwise, I'd totally forgotten to do this. Phil Hartup uh, at Level 2 Rogue says, uh, Mourinho's beaten the top teams in the league and got us to yet another final. What else does he need to do to win over the doubters? I think this one's for you, Paul. If not, <laughs> why are we here? Hashtag Rankcast. Um, listen, the... The thing about the doubters is I'm not sure. I mean, what he really has to do to really win over the doubters is win the league. Like that's that's the this is that's the Mourinho bar. If he doesn't yeah. if he leaves Manchester United before winning the league, his Man United career will ultimately not have been 
uh, can't really ever be considered a success. No, that's right. But, and, uh, I mean, and look, there'd still be a crowd of his acolytes prepared to rationalise that, you know, City are spending so much, it's impossible to catch them late, et cetera, and so on. But uh, no, I think that's the bar for Mourinho. Especially, especially it has, it's the only bar, right? Because at no point are United ever going to be playing um, any kind of revolutionary form of attacking football. Um, there was a there was a story did rounds this week that uh, the United board believes winning football is entertaining football. I mean, that's you know, there's some there is some truth to that that you do tend to go away reasonably happy if the team wins. Uh, Joey. Mangini at JoeyM underscore UX says, uh, what are the chances Mourinho's halftime talk consisted solely, this is uh, at Wembley, uh, of Laz is Tottenham? Uh, it seems a little bit unlikely because that would involve him not talking about himself for a full sentence. Um, I forgot to say during the last answer, hi, Phil, miss you. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 I saved, I put Lads is Tottenham in the group chat immediately on the full time whistle because I was not prepared to do it before. But watching that second half, you did really think Lads it's Tottenham quite a lot. Well, they, they got very Spursy, didn't they? Spurs in that they one. Did. Uh, do you think Mourinho talks him about himself in the third person uh, when he does halftime <laughs> team talks? You know, they come in at halftime and he goes, Mourinho is not happy. <laughs> Jose's not happy with you. You are not working hard enough for Jose. Jose will punish you afterwards. A whole bunch of questions along uh, the lines of Stephen Roberts, uh, Stephen DR91, who says, uh, why are the performances so inconsistent? Beat City and Spurs, lose to West Brom. It's so odd. I mean, partly, this is just a thing that happens in football. If you look at the 2012-13 season, which we all look at with glorious misty-eyed, United were profoundly inconsistent during the 2012-13 season. It's just that they were they were good enough and earned enough points in games that they didn't deserve it and all that kind of stuff and, and had long enough stretches of consistency. But football is inherently a game which has inconsistencies in it, but it does feel a bit extreme this season although under Louis van Gaal we played some of the best football for a three game spell any of us could remember for a long time and then the rest of it was utter drudgery Mm. so it's not unique to Mourinho this a whole bunch of other people asking that exact question but look surely United have got a surely Mourinho can find a way to make sure United's um I don't know whether whether it's approach uh mindset um uh, I don't know, what it, whatever it is that is causing United to lose to West Brom at home or Huddersfield away uh, and drop points against teams that, uh, they, you know, they clearly should be beating. Um, you know, I, something has to change there. Um, I mean, United haven't got as many draws as, as we did in the last season, I don't think, off the top of my head. I don't think, I don't think it's even close. No, right. So, you know, there's... Uh, that's been a big leap forward. Uh, the next, the next level for next season, in order to at least push for the the title, um, is to make sure uh, United beat those those teams they should be beating. I mean, let's uh, hopefully City don't get over a hundred points because that would be one of these things we never stop hearing about. Um, but uh, you know they're going to end up in the late nineties or the early hundreds this season. Uh, Mourinho said this week that if City get the same amount of points, it'd be impossible to catch them. And that's probably, look, it sounds a bit moisy, that, doesn't it? But it's probably also true. Historically, it's true. Um, and I don't know if United have ever got more than the low 90s. Maybe 92 is the best best ever uh, for a United team. So got to aim for that at least. And that, that would be a hugely consistent season. 
So two things. One, the level of consistency this season is vastly improved over last season. 123 drawn five, lost six so far this season. Last season... 118, drew 15, lost five. We drew 15 games last season. Like... We we haven't won. We haven't drawn or lost combined fifteen games this season. I don't think we're going to by the end of the season. In fact, the only way we could is by losing or drawing every game left this season. Um, so you know we are we are way improved in a consistency in in terms of consistency. And the the performances haven't been there. There have been notable dips. One thing I thought worth mentioning: um, Herrera so hard towing the party line so hard after the. FA Cup semi-final because in his post-match interview he said very important that we don't get carried away after this which is exactly of course what Mourinho said was the reason that they played so badly against West Brom yeah because they got carried away by the City game Carl Ikeda Ikeda KM uh, asked is Herrera the opposite of a flat track bully he seems to perform well in big games but doesn't (laughs) dominate against lesser opponents it's very it, Ander Herrera's Manchester United career is an absolutely baffling mess of inconsistency. Yeah. I would love to see uh, some sort of empirical data that tracked his performance levels. It would just be a graph that bounced up and down all over the place. I'd love to see if there was well, a pattern. Like I mean, that. there's a whole bunch of indices that are the Euro indices or the Squawker index. You can go do that. Um, uh, I mean, if you believe in that kind of approach to measuring performance. So, yeah, look, I think uh, he, he's, he's frustrating because he had a really good season last season and I guess we kind of expected him to do that again. I would say that he, um, although he came to the club as a as a more attacking player, he's now been transformed into a more destructive all-round player, right? Not a pure defensive midfielder. And he probably shines in those games where he's putting a, a few ratters in, isn't he? And, uh, um, and sorry, a few, few reduces in and being the ratter uh, in big Ron speak and, and, and making a few tackles and that seems to stimulate him to, to be a bit more dynamic generally. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because both in the Tottenham game and like last season, his standout performance against Chelsea, it, you're exactly right. The defensive work does seem to inspire him to greater feats going forward because he got an assist and a goal in that game against Chelsea when he absolutely like spent the whole game chasing Eden Hazard around. And against Spurs, like we said earlier, big numbers defensively and the absolutely crucial goal. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, a couple more. Um, Chappie Graham says, uh, if we had to lose either Rashford or Martial, which one? <gasps> I mean, the problem with this question is we're just going to lose one of them. So I'm having to just, I, I just, it feels to me like a genuinely at this point, it seems like a long shot for Marcel to be at United this time next season. I mean, no, at the start of next season. Would we, um, uh, so there's another question related. Uh, Matthew underscore Taylor nine says, uh, let Martial out on loan, bring Douglas Costa the other way. Well, you know, I never really kind of believe in that sort of, Football transfer bingo. Douglas Costa is a decent player, but never really hit the uh, the um, the all of the heights that perhaps his uh, very early reputation said it would do. Um, although a talented player, um, but it's it's the first part. You know, is it is it sale is the only option with Martial because um, because he, him and Mourinho are just never going to never going to see eye to eye. But if you're him. I mean, I guess if United kind of like draw a line in the sand and say we're definitely not selling you under any circumstances, then maybe. But if you're him, don't you prefer 
a, a permanent move away yeah, to somewhere oh, sure. where you can yeah. build a and career. And right now, I um, if, if I was him, I'd pick the same. You know, I'd, I'd be looking to move. Yeah. For sure. He's, he's never going to get a consistent starting part, spot under Mourinho because he's not going to do all the things that Mourinho wants of him. And, you know, there, there were extended periods of this season where that looked like maybe we weren't going to be able to say that anymore because he was starting pretty much every game for a good long spell there. And then we signed Alexis. Yeah. Sad times. I mean, also good times. Uh, a few questions along the lines of uh, little underscore inches. Uh, what do you think of the alleged uh, alleged proposed ticket price? I don't think they're alleged. The ticket prices for the cup final. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, they uh, depending on the price category, it's a, it's around about eighty percent more expensive for the cup final than for the semi final for an equivalent ticket. Um, so, I mean, which they did last time United. No, I think they do this every year, so it shouldn't be news, really. Um, and I suppose the FA could say it's market forces. There's a huge amount of demand. Of course, they do an excellent job of restricting supply as well by giving each side uh, about 8,000 tickets uh, each in a 90,000 capacity stadium. 8,000? Or whatever it is. I mean... It's not much, <laughs> is it? It's less than half the total, um, total uh, of the... Um, of the stadium. All right, so less than half of the total of the stadium goes to supporters of the two clubs. Yeah. Oh gosh, so so more than half of the stadium is filled with neutrals. Yeah. Oh my. And corporates. My goodness, I didn't realize that. I mean, I'm sure that's not the case at semi-finals, you would imagine. I mean, it, No, 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 exactly. Of yeah. course it's exploitative and stupid, but yeah, it's absolutely market forces. The the FA Cup semi-final is nowhere near the the showpiece event that the FA Cup final is, you know, this is just completely different. I mean, in a way, the FA Cup semi-finals just shouldn't even be at Wembley, as we've talked about. They're, they're a different thing. They're, they're, big, they're a big deal to the, the teams involved in that game. But the FA Cup final is a big deal much more broadly than that. So that's why. But of course, it's outrageous. And, I, and it seems to me that the numbers, like I was saying to you before we started recording that, I remember there being a big hike in the price of tickets between the semi and the cup final two seasons ago, but it does sound like this one's even bigger. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be about, it'll be, uh, I may have done the FA a small disservice here, just checking up. Um, I think there'll be about uh, 50 something thousand total tickets to the teams involved. All right. So, all right. FA, I apologize. I got the number wrong there. Uh, you're only shafting some Manchester United and Chelsea fans, not all of them. Uh, yeah, but look, the, the, you know, this has long been the case that um, a huge amount of the cup final go to Club Wembley bondholders and corporate sponsors and um, local FAs and some allocation to every team that ever took part and so on. So um, it's unfortunate that it's not the People's Cup final, even though it's, you know, uh, marketed as the People's Cup um, and, and the prices are sky high. Uh because the FA need to make revenue because they have this huge white elephant of a stadium they've got to pay for. Yeah, absolutely. That's clearly the case, and that's why it's happening. Uh, so, at 5PKN2FLXFORKCFS... We're sure this, we're sure this is a real person? It, well, it may be a Russian bot. Yep. 
Um, if we fail to win the FA Cup, how badly will it reflect on our season as, as a whole? It's definitely not a Russian bot because we know that uh, <laughs> Mourinho is tight with the Russians. <laughs> um, I don't think it reflects that significantly. I mean, you kind of ask yourself the reverse question in a way. So if we if we win the FA Cup, does that mean this has been a brilliant season? No, it means we're all going to be delighted at the way the season ended. And really, the season... I mean, it does make some difference, but even if we lose, then the season is still... We got to an FA Cup final, came second in the league. Like, there's a substantial drop-off between that and winning the FA Cup, but it's not make or break for whether it's been a good season. It's been a mixed season with good points and bad points, and the exact breakdown of good points and bad points will be will be affected by that sort of yeah, uh, I mean, trophies do define seasons, though. So if United win nothing this season and come second, mm-hmm. and City win the league and the the League Cup, mm-hmm. win the league by miles and miles and miles and the League Cup, it's not going to feel good, i am tell you that. It's going to feel a hell of a lot better if uh, we go into the summer having won a trophy. Yeah, yeah, OK, fair, fair point. Uh, and on that point, uh, Andrew Hardiman says, is the FA Cup final remix ready for the last pot of the season? Do we have an FA Cup final remix? I don't know, but we better have one. <laughs> Tom, I, I think that's that seems to be a question for you. We'll, we'll, do, a, we'll do a... Tom will produce one of his specials, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Very good. Well, that's questions for this week. Uh, you missed the whimsical ones, you said. Yeah. Um, no, no one sends me the whimsical ones because you know, <laughs> they know I don't want to read out questions about whether a boy or a shark's going to swim faster. No, that's not the question. It's will there ever been a boy born who can swim faster than a shark? Also, would you rather fight one duck-sized horse or, no, one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Have you, have you revised your answer to that question in the years since we've addressed it, Ed? Absolutely not. I've got a, 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 a question for you, a rank cast question for you that I thought of. If you were a young up-and-coming European manager this summer, this is stolen, by the way, from a different podcast, the Touchline Fracas podcast, which I, I very much recommend and I really enjoy. Um, but they, they had a question in which I thought was brilliant. Would you rather manage Arsenal or Chelsea? Assuming both yeah. these managerial jobs will be vacant. No, it's it's interesting this one, isn't it? Because I um, mean, you'd, you'd instinctively say Arsenal, thinking they might be a bit more patient, because mm-hmm. um, Chelsea, you're not going to get a season to fail. Um, uh, but you got an absolute <laughs> mess of a squad there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, maybe I was going to say, and and maybe you get the difficulty of of uh, coming in after. Um, a successful manager, but he hasn't been successful for a long time. So um, maybe that'd be all right. Maybe they'd all be relieved, the players, and thankful of uh, uh, getting, you know, getting a new man in. Yeah, uh, just they are now a mid-table club, you know, and yeah. they they have to punch above their weight. So it's set up for Moisey this one. <laughs> yeah, cut from the same cloth as Arsene Wenger in that they're both massive losers. <laughs> nah, come on. Um, the yeah, so it's a. Re- I don't know the answer to the question because you like Arsenal would be patient. And you'd think the infrastructure at Arsenal is really solid, and dealing with Roman Abramovich must be a total nightmare, or, or more likely dealing with Abramovich's people now. It seems like so. Yeah, but Arsenal's become a really political club as yeah, well. This true. is not the club, you know, that David Dean was running when he appointed Arsene Wenger. 
there's there's you know, there's factions amongst ownership. There's factions in the board. They've they've brought in a, a, a director of football um, and a technical director. I can't remember what the exact job titles are now. Over the last year or so, they're trying to produce a structure that um, will you know keep them sort of keep the ship steady after Wenger goes. Um, but it does mean there are all sorts of factions at the club. So be interesting. Um, I don't know whether they could appoint a young manager into that into that role. I think that um, that might accelerate the decline. Um, we are going to do some bonus content talking about Wenger, so we might touch on some of this and how the parallels between this transition and Fergie's and whether actually some of that is probably maybe about Arsenal learning from United's mistakes or at least trying to. Not that the two transitions are in any way comparable other than length of time and amount of influence at within the club of the person in charge, because Ferguson, I don't know if anyone remembers this or not. Well, funnily enough, both Arsene Wenger and Alex Ferguson combined to win the league in... You know, people say Arsene Wenger hasn't won a league since 2003, but he sort of won it in 2013, didn't he, by giving us Robin Van Persie. Cheers. Yeah, very good. Merci, Arsene. Um, I I mean, there's there's one school of thought that says Arsenal uh, have a younger squad than uh, when... um, when uh, Moyes took over, at least that's Moyes' school of thought. I mean, because none of it was his fault. Listen, Alex Ferguson said he'd left a good balance of ages in that squad, and he had. Anyway, uh, so we've got. Oh, talking of Arsenal, what a happy accidental segue. Uh, who are we playing next weekend? I hear you all ask why it's Arsenal themselves. I hear you respond. Uh, Wenger's Managerless fa- Arsenal at Old Trafford on Sunday. Wenger comes to his farewell tour at the scene of, I guess, one of his proudest moments, but also um, what surely must be one of his most utterly humiliating. Um, what do we expect from this game? Well, it's a dead rubber in many ways, isn't it? I mean, United are going to finish. Second, I'm sure you know. Got a three points and a game in hand over Liverpool now, um, and uh, Liverpool have a couple of big ties coming up to concentrate on as well. There's 12 points left to play for, though, isn't there? So, you know, because there's four games left of the season, right? Have I done the maths right, or is it just three? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. that's. I mean, I guess they've only got nine points left to play for, and we've got 12 left to play for. But can't don't want to be don't want to be like taking this too casually, do? Because I mean, I guess we're playing, what, Brighton away, Watford at home, and I can't remember what the other fixture that United have got is. Let's have a look. So let's say Watford at home is a gimme, although we said that about West Brom. Oh, West Ham away <laughs> on a weekday night. I don't know. I fancy the Moisaya to uh, get one over his on his hated betrayers. Yeah, well, that'll be the one one game of the season where where West Ham fans actually unite together. <laughs> Arsenal have just beaten West Ham, although uh, they took their time about getting in front in that game. It's fair to say. Yeah, that's right. What's going to happen in this game against Arsenal? You know, I, I find this one really hard to predict. I mean, they they got a they got a bounce uh, at the weekend, didn't they? You know, Arsenal uh, eventually uh, winning comfortably. Uh, in Wenger's sort of long road to departure, uh, I'm sure in his final game at Old Trafford, he you know he's going to be well up for um, a good performance from his team. Uh, but this this Arsenal team has blown mostly cot 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 has blown mostly cold this season. 
Um, the, you know, it's clearly a team on the decline. Wenger's, uh, you know, the rat jumping out of the sinking ship. Um, Come on. <laughs> have have I mean, some yeah. respect for yeah. an old man. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say have some respect for the rats. There. Right. You know, at least they knew what they were. It's like when Guardiola was annoyed at Raiola calling him a dog because dogs are nice. Have some respect for the dogs. He said. <laughs> I mean, it, it, crucially, of course, this game, you mentioned Liverpool having big ties, but Arsenal have got a massive tie um, and and I guess some of this game will depend heavily on what happens on Thursday because they're playing Atletico Madrid in the first leg of the semi-final at home on Thursday night. So if Atletico beat them 5-0, I guess they'll go all out to um, to try and beat United at the weekend. But there's, there's every chance we'll see players rested and all that kind of stuff. Um, is it Aubameyang that's cup-tied? Maybe I think Aubameyang might be cup-tied from the Europa League, but but generally speaking, you'd imagine uh, Arsenal will have their minds on other things rather than this game. Yeah, for sure. You know, this is uh, the Europa League represents Wenger's last chance of glory mm-hmm. never, before he's sent off to retirement or an international job. Never won a European trophy. No, that's right. 24 years since Arsenal won a European trophy. Not quite that long since they won the league, but, you know, near enough. Yeah. Rounding up to the nearest decade. <laughs> no, they, like, well, yeah, they haven't won the league for a long time. Arsene Wenger just gets a little part share in one. Um, but, yeah, so uh, from a United perspective, I don't see any reason why this won't be an absolutely full-strength side. I wonder whether we might see exactly the same starting lineup that played against Tottenham. I'm trying to think if there's any natural tweaks. Interesting that Jones and Smalling were chosen as the um, as the kind of first-choice centre-back pairing for that game, and, and they justified their selection they were they were absolutely excellent in that game yeah look it's a different game though you you wouldn't expect Arsenal to come to Old Trafford and dominate although of course you know Mourinho's happy to have control without the ball um as he had put it so uh, but still you know this is this is a mediocre Arsenal side one that's fighting it out for sixth and seventh with Burnley uh versus the team that's second in the league we should be dominating them Mm, yeah, yeah. Especially given, that I guess it will be their second string. But even so, I think there's nothing to say that we shouldn't be playing uh, Matic, Herrera, and Pogba in the centre of midfield. Back four is obviously going to be a back four, and likely the same back four. So then it's just about exactly the balance of the front three. And I guess you could say, okay, you bring in Mata for Lingard if you want a bit more, if you're expecting us to be on the front foot a little bit more. But it's not like Lingard is shabby on the front foot. And he obviously does all that running and stuff, which Mourinho will clearly love. Oh, lovely moment after the game where um, uh, Jesse Lingard was FaceTiming with fans outside the ground. So Jesse Lingard's in the dressing room um, and a friend of his is with the full-time devil slot. And uh, Jesse like FaceTimes all the fans and everyone's dancing and jumping around. Very, very, very nice moment. Uh, if ever there was a player who gets it, right? I mean, that's kind of thrown around that term. But my goodness, Jesse Lingard gets it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he really does. Uh, in an in an age of players and fans being very distant, um, I think uh, he he deserves a lot of credit uh, for his attitude. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I don't know what else to say about Arsenal. You've got to beat them, surely. Go on, good. Give 
Give Wenger one last humiliating send-off. <laughs> I guess the thing that we can definitely expect from this game is that Jose Mourinho will be like obsequiously respectful in the pre-match in the pre-match interviews, like when Claudio Ranieri. <laughs> yeah, when I said he was a special in, specialist in, fa- in failure, actually, you know, <laughs> what I really meant was he's one of the greatest managers in the Premier League of all time. When I sort of thing. when I said he was a voyeur, I meant he was a voyeur of good football because he loves to play it. Um, yeah, but you know, like when Mourinho said awful things about Claudio Ranieri when they were both managing in Italy. And then when Ranieri was sacked, of course, he comes out in his CR jersey for the press conference to show solidarity with with Ranieri. No. Oh, God, he's such a two-faced little cunt, isn't he? I mean, the <laughs> thing about the Ranieri thing is never was a more transparent... Oh, I see, yeah. Yeah, it is really terrible when a manager gets wins the league and then gets sacked the next season. That is a, a disgrace against football, I totally agree. And Claudio Ranieri's sacking is definitely the only example I can think of that to make my point. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so like he's going to say nice things about Wenger, for sure. I wonder if, uh, wonder if they'll, they'll get a, a word from Fergie. Who, who had his own like slightly two faced quality with Wenger, but we'll come to that in the uh, in the bonus content. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for Patreon backers, we, we'll be talking about Arsene Wenger. Yeah. Oh, God, he's such a fraud. <laughs> that's the shortcut. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to listen. Don't worry about backing us. That's it. That's what we're going to be saying. Um, so, I think I've got to predict a United win here. I mean, I, I don't know. Almost nothing would be surprising at this point. Like an Arsenal masterclass wouldn't be that surprising, although they're just not very, not really good enough to do that. I don't think. Um, I it'd be nice to see Mickey at Old Trafford again. Hopefully, he'll it'll be the majority of games that he played at Old Trafford that he, that level of performance rather than the uh, odd magical one. Um, I kind of want to just say like three nil United or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't imagine Fournil FC will come out. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they've got so much confidence from that, you know, very good performance against Spurs and uh, another cup final to, to go out and do it. But no, I'm, I'm going to go for a, like a bitty 2-1 win. Yeah, a win, a win that's won in the details. Is that what you're saying? So, something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, I think, um, I, I actually don't know the numbers, but I'm going to guess that uh, Lukaku scored more goals than Lacazette and, and, and Bang Meang put together. Although, you know, <laughs> the latter's obviously only had half a season at Arsenal. Uh, yeah, the, the the slightly unfair thing is that um, Lacazette's played quite a lot less football than Lukaku, right? Uh, yeah, but, but you know, the rejoinder to that is Lacazette. <laughs> <laughs> and we said that last summer. 13 goals in 24 starts. That's like only in the league. I think that's only... Two, three less than Lukaku in in like a thousand less minutes or something. Like that's yeah. that's a bit of yeah. a problem actually. That comparison does not favour Romelu. Yeah, I always said Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> really love Romelu Lukaku. Like it's it's he's just a player that I I find him in, immensely endearing. Um, yeah, he's played eight hundred more minutes than Lacazette and scored three hundred three more goals. Hmm. Uh, we also had Player of the Year and um, Team of the Year and Young Player of the Year announced. Harry Kane was on the Young Player of the Year list. No, well, I I, that's not year. true. That's not true. He was, he was on the he was on the Young Player of the year, the top six, the final six for the Young Player of the Year. He was on that. Oh my goodness me! It, it is true. I know. I know. We have this conversation every year, and it's really boring. Um, but 
come on, they've got to change that. Like, you only have to be under 24 in the year of the season starting, right, you know? So basically you can be almost 25. So the nominees are Harry Kane. <laughs> I can't believe that. Harry Kane, um, Edison, Marcus Rashford, Leroy Sane. You're typing a lot, aren't you? Ryan Sessegnon. From Fulham. Yep, yeah, who doesn't play in the Premier League. That's so. that's weird. Uh, and Raheem Sterling. Yeah, yeah. And, and, Sane, and Sane won it, you know, and he probably has been the best young player in the league this year. Um, and Mo Salah won the main award, and I think that's fair enough. It was probably him or Kevin De Bruyne, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it. yeah. And the only United player in that PFA team of the year? I mean, we don't have to say this. We just know that the sentence goes... Chris Morling, the, no. the only United player in the team of the year is David De Gea. We say it every year. Still the same. It's always going to be the same. No one's ever going to be good enough. It's just going to... Did anyone... Did Zlatan get in the team of the year last year? Or was it just De Gea and... I really can't remember because no, these things are meaningless. No, yeah, well, they, well, you know, they 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 have some meaning in that it's the fellow pro, fellow pros voting for it. So, three Spurs plays in there. I'm looking at the league table <laughs> and I'm thinking. Hmm. So the PFA team of the year last season, um, uh, yep, yeah, David De Gea is the only Man United player in the PFA team of the year last season and the year before. I mean, worth saying that David De Gea is absolutely exceptional. I mean, United's nominees for Player of the Year came out and I was looking at them and I was going, oh no, it's happened again, it's happened again. De Gea's our Player of the Year, it's happened again. So so when, when's he after Real Madrid then? It's crazy, like, last season it's so not Like, in a way, Ander Herrera just won it so that an outfield player could finally win it. Um, but... I really think it's going to be De Gea again this season. Yeah, I'm um, probably. I mean, he's the most consistent United player. Who else? I mean, who else could it possibly be for the United Player of the Season? Lukaku's clearly in there because he's scored 27 goals. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which is a good amount, you know. Yeah. And he did disappear for a good chunk of the middle of the season. Yeah, um, and it's not actually that many goals in terms of you know in, in terms of how many minutes he's played because he's played a lot of football i mean it's a lot of goals but it's not it's not ronaldo level no. levels of goals is it no it's it's a, a good decent return so i guess then i guess you could say yeah that there's 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 that option that it goes to lukaku but it should probably just be david de Gea. um all right that's enough for one podcast we'll see you next week all right uh, come on you reds thank you for listening the Rankcast is a crowdfunded show, uh, which means that we don't take advertising. We rely on um, people backing us over at patreon.com slash Rankcast in order to produce the show. Um, and one of the things that we like to do uh, for people that back us at uh, $5 plus VAT and above is hit them up with some bonus content every single week. Uh, this week, we talked about Arsene Wenger. You know, single-handedly kept them relevant at some points until he single-handedly won us the league. All right, so I'm going to now challenge you, Ed, to say three genuinely (laughs) non-sarcastic nice things about Arsene Wenger and his career. Like, honest, you don't have to make them up, but, like, three things that you actually genuinely think are admirable from his career. Okay, well, his teams did play good football at one stage, you know, and I, I think he did bring a new style of football to England. Yeah, possession based, attacking, um, 
he uh, he uh, three things. Does it have? To yeah, be? we got we got we got one so far. Oh, geez, geez, this is a stretch. Um, his line about uh, everyone thinking they have the prettiest wife <laughs> is a genuine worldie as a comeback. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good, very good. And in two thousand four, he was awarded the Freedom of Islington. There you go, three things. <laughs> have you got the Freedom of Islington yet? Are you middle class enough to have the Freedom? I, I most certainly do not.